Welcome to What's Happening in 40K. Your daily dose of all things Warhammer 40,000. Each day, Monday through Friday, we explore the Warhammer 40,000 tournament scene. And bring you the latest news, updates, and opinions. So, whether you're a seasoned veteran or a newcomer to the hobby, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us as we delve into the world of 40K. Here's your host, Mufasa. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode. Today we are right off the back of the heels of the Southampton Super Major and we are joined by the winner, David Gaylord. David has won three of our Super Majors. He is the first person to do so, taking Southampton, Leeds and Birmingham. He is also a worldwide top 10 player, having twice finished in uh, the top 10 of the LVO and now most recently in the top 5 of the ITC. David, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to chat. Sorry if my voice is a little bit croaky. <laughs> it's been a bit of a late night getting back. Yeah, David's just come back from winning the event, as I mentioned, and as he as he said, it's a late night because he made it way all the way through to finals, which finished at eleven p.m., and uh, that obviously means a bit of a late night sleep. So, David, what did you take to the super major this weekend? Yeah, so I was uh, I was taking Imperial Guard. I was taking a little bit of a different list from I think some of the lists that had been doing well. Um, primarily I was bringing some Sentinels, I was bringing some Plasma Sponsons, I was bringing a bit more troops and whatnot like that, so a bit more of a well-rounded approach to the list where I could just kind of defend anything and play tight and not give an opening to any of my opponents is kind of the general aspect of the list I bring. Interesting, and you mentioned you've been playing Guard, which have obviously only just come out in terms of their sort of impact on the meta, even though the Codex has sort of been semi in the wild for a while. Many people are saying that the statistics for Guard at the moment don't actually represent their power level, and actually they're actually more overpowered than their win rate performance is suggesting. What do you think that might be a reason for that? Yeah, so I think the book is actually deceptively complex. I know my list building process has changed significantly from where I started to where I am now. And, you know, typically I think most books, people can identify the strong parts, what you want to play. Uh, so I think that's a good uh, representation of actually the book has got a lot of depth to it and a lot of breadth and there's no clear way to play uh, into a meta um, until actually I think people have gone and actually won majors, won super majors and proven that this is a, this is a vibe, this is, this is the viable archetype to, to play the list. So um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a very, very strong list, no doubt. And I think, you know, historically, I think, Look in the meta in the community. I think Guard has historically done quite poorly, obviously because they had a quite a poor book, uh, rules wise. But in addition to that, people I think have gravitated towards the wrong type of archetype in the list, and those lists being likewise where I started playing. You know, four, five, six Lehman Russes, uh, Rogel Dawn, big tanks, and not having the flexibility to play the mission and react dynamically and play the secondaries very well. Because when you play those lists with big static objects, it doesn't give you a chance to dig yourself out of bad positions. So that's something I wanted to focus on having in the list and, and, and it being really well-rounded. And I think once people adapt to that, you know, the guard win rate will will, uh, will go up. But clearly it's strong, has the potential to win, uh, win a super major. So that, that should show the strength of an army or what I would probably call is the reach of an army. It can reach the highest parts. Um, the overall strength might be all right, but in the best competent hands, has the reach or the potential to win. 
Yes, and I think that's very accurate considering that Nassim also basically went 5-0 and would have made the finals as well if they hadn't uh, had a low-scoring final round. But uh, you were famously very successful with Tyranids, which at the time were the dominant codex. Staying on this theme about uh, you know win rate and super major performance, you had this temporary blip where you moved over to Demons. So tell us a little bit about what it was like switching from um, the dominant faction to a more challenging faction and now back to one of the higher power level factions what's that process been like for you yeah so instead of demons because I, I, I played demons for one tournament where i was genuinely just going there to have fun and relax uh so i went to thousand suns and demons of course um but that that was obviously a very uh challenging codex to pilot as well I've, i think I've, it's very fair to say is i've always been interested in playing uh top top codexes and, and very powerful armies but for me, you know, I just really enjoy playing the game, regardless of, you know, for me, I'm not a big person on the lore of the game. You know, I didn't I didn't get in reading the books and whatnot like that. So for me, I just enjoy the game for the game's sake. Uh, I do enjoy the hobbying aspect a little bit, but, you know, we could be playing with bottle caps because I like the game for the strategic sense, the math, um, and, and genuinely just trying to, trying to win the game through how it should be played. And, and obviously, all the social sides and good sportsmen and what like that as well. So I think it's the jump is similar, but I think Guard is probably on the complexity level above Tyranids, below Thousand Suns and Flamers, I would say. There is a, a lot of unforgiving parts of the Codex, and it's taken me personally quite a few reps to actually get to the point where I'm feeling really confident uh, in my positioning, my deployment, my movement. Uh, and, and even then, I still get it wrong. You know, Manny, uh, The game when Manny and I played in the finals, I made six or seven mistakes around my aura ranges and my orders and my perfect disabilities and whatnot like that, where, you know, I would have um, been able to have more obsec or more options. And yeah, it, it just goes to show, I don't think the codex is very autopilot uh, as, as most people would probably think. Well, you mentioned reps then you notoriously play a large amount of games on TTS. So one thing that I've noticed as a, a TO, but also as a competitive player myself is that the ability for players who used to be able to play one or two games a week, and be at the top of the field seems to have diminished somewhat since people can get much easier and high quality reps in by utilizing tools like TTS. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how important you think just the role of repetitions is within your ability to succeed on the gaming table versus say getting one game in a week against a very high caliber opponent. Like at what point does frequency of practice matter more than the quality of the practice? Yeah, yeah, great question. I think I think this question will be an age-old question for a long time to come. If you're a newer player, I'll split it. If you're a newer player, getting reps in is very important. Uh, learning the fundamentals of the game, getting tournament experience, doing that as much as possible is the best way to grow as a player. But I think once you reach a certain uh, caliber or experience or you've achieved certain things where you're no longer going to be getting nervous or something like that, which used to happen to me a lot, um, you know, I got a lot more comfortable once I'd won something big. Um, you you want to really focus, in my opinion, on the quality of games. So I was really blessed to have um, uh, two games in particular from my teammate Yoko, um, and then a game versus Pumba, <laughs> the judge, uh, against Dark Angels, which and, uh, games in which my whole team could watch. We we're all chatting, dissecting the entirety of the game. Uh, and those are the quality games where when you reach a certain level, you just need to focus on one or two specific matchups or players, and that's going to be making the largest difference at that point. Of course, more reps is obviously better and better and better. You know, you're not going to lose something by playing a game per se, but when you play, when you, when you always 
when you're playing at this level, you have an inherently unhealthy relationship with the game, uh, as Anthony Vanilla once said. So at some point, you've got to make a decision around how much time and effort and um, how much you're getting in versus getting out. And as of recently, I've really tried to draw back on 40K and focus on quality over quantity, for sure. Yeah, and I think that's a, sort of a relationship that many players have at one point or another been at the top end of the spectrum in terms of performance. And sometimes it sort of comes in, in peaks and troughs of terms of like how much of your life you really want to commit to being good at this versus good at some other aspect of your life to maintain balance. So I just want to touch on something unrelated to this week's tournament uh, before we get into the details of your matchups. You mentioned there your teammate Jokal. Well, Famously, you were a member of Dice Down, and anyone that's been following BCP results and the ITC this weekend will notice that Ignite have made their way onto the playing field. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this new endeavor of yours? Yeah, so I mean, it's uh, I, first of all, I wouldn't say it's an endeavor of mine. Obviously, from my perspective, it's an endeavor. But um, like, uh, so I've, I've recently decided to shift away from Dice Down um, for, for reasons why I just talked about quality over quantity, you know. Um, Dice Down are, the, are <laughs> they're a legendary team in the UK, as we all know, and I was extremely lucky to have them surround me when I first started playing the game. But um, you know, over the last year, Vic and I were primarily the two active players, and I just, I just told the guys, look, you know, I just want to come back and and bring Warhammer back into perspective for me, and for me, it's about just surrounding myself with. Um, quality over quantity so to speak so like um you know we're all in those whatsapp chats and what like that and and for me that's a bit of a that's a bit of a time sink and i've just tried to keep everything in perspective in my life recently and just gone you know what i'd rather just have less of 40k and less talk and less thing like that and have it with people that i have otherwise practiced with a lot uh, on tts for example um so that's been a, a big shift for me but yeah currently we've got brian seat um, and then we've got Joko Johansson and myself, and those are three guys that I've played with a lot and are great friends of mine. Um, and we're just three uh, people that when we chat about Warhammer, it's about the games, it's about analysis, objective, uh, objectivity. We genuinely want to see everyone do uh, as best they possibly can, and, and, we, know, and we have no problems um, putting everything out in the open and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's obviously it's been a great endeavor for our first tournament, but... Uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to things in the future, and um, yeah, it's it's really good. Thanks. Yeah, I think you know Ignite is probably going to be a powerhouse on the ITC Global Rankings coming up this season, and for hopefully many seasons to come. So best of luck with that, Brian. Obviously, absolutely smashed it this weekend as well, going four and one and winning best of starties. So well done, Brian. Uh, now making our way to your results, why don't you just give us a quick um, run through about your seven rounds and just which factions and any noteworthy players that you played in each of those matchups. Yeah. So I had, um, look, I don't think I would say, I would say I had a quite, a, quite a nice run in the first five rounds. That's for sure. Had some very interesting games. Like I think out of all the games, I wasn't extremely stressed. Uh, although I don't get like that so much these days anyway. Um, but you know, we had a lot of very technical games and that's what I found about guard is that from a macro perspective, it's, it's quite technical. In terms of the secondaries, the passivity, the aggressiveness, it's a bit like chess in some regards. So it reminded me a little bit of uh, Ad- Admic, where you had Skatari, but you obviously don't have the plane, so your reach is a lot more static in that sense. So, uh, you know, all my games, I just tried to play as methodical as possible, make sure that my angles were good, um, and just understand the board state from a from a high-level strategy. Uh, so my games uh, all went really well. Uh, round 5, I had an absolute blast against uh, Ewan, playing Chaos Demons again. 
Uh, and um, we've played before, and uh, that was a great game as well. I, I just couldn't kill his Bellacore, so <laughs> that was a good time. And then, uh, look, round six, we had uh, Votan, actually. So he played against a, a newer player. Uh, I think it was his first GT, so he made the top four there, and he was playing like 18 Pioneers, Terminators, uh, and basically jammed everything into me. Um, you know, I was really impressed by his play. He played very sharply for someone who had played for, for such a small amount of time. Effectively, this is his first really big tournament. Uh, you know, we had a great game, and it was one of those positions where I had to get um, all my sequencing, all my mathematics and optimization correctly done, which is, from a player's perspective, that's the one thing I think I am good at. You know, strategy and macro perspective, I'm quite poor at, in my opinion. But if it comes down to mathematics, sequencing, optimization of numbers that's something that i really shine in so i was able to like leverage that part of my my game and then um, if you're following on bcp of course as it uh as it <laughs> has happened so many times before between <laughs> between maddie chima and i uh once again meeting in the finals i <laughs> i feel like we're, this is this must have happened about four or five times already um but you know yes, we're at it course. again uh, yeah manny and, was- and manny was playing as his dark angels he i believe is coming off the back of three straight tournament wins so this would have been his fourth event of the season and he was going for his fourth win manny i believe has been on this podcast before and basically has tweaked that list a little bit from that episode we did with him where now he has lazarus in there for some mortal wound resilience why don't you just give us a bit more detail about how that game played out because dark angels versus guard is obviously a matchup that many people listening will be curious about two most strongest factions at the moment, arguably. So why don't you tell us about that game specifically and touch on maybe the most challenging point from a tactical point of view within that matchup. Yeah, yeah. What I would say is Manny and I had a really lovely game. Uh, We had to play the game in two and a half hours as well. And, um, you know, there were some take-backs there and everything like that. So we we had an absolutely fantastic game, um, which was really nice because, we're you know, just for context, the hall is basically empty. It's like five or six people there. (laughs) And, you know, it's almost the middle of the night and you're playing Warhammer for the finals, right? Um, So we had an absolute blast. And I think you hit the nail on the head, which was that Dark Angels versus Guard are the two juggernauts, I think at the very highest caliber level. And Manny Chima is a serial winner and an absolutely uh, incredible player. And I knew right from the get-go, I, I wasn't confident going into the matchup because I think it's player skill-wise, Manny's obviously got the edge on me there. But um, I thought, you know what, I've had the two practice games into Dark Angels and my list is completely tweaked for the last tweaks I can make into the matchup. So going into it, uh, Manny picked secondaries that were very good for him going second. So Oath of Moments, is an, he has to pick that, we think. Uh, we being Manny and I probably ha- probably has to take Oath of Moments. And he managed to get second turn, which is really big for Oath because you can obviously get the, get the unit in the middle to get two points. And I think Manny and I both knew that our secondaries were strong enough where it was going to be a very high scoring game regardless. So we both had it down on paper between five, six, seven points between winning or losing for both uh, for both sides. So going second with other moments is very powerful. But we were playing Death and Zeal, which is the new map that uh, you've adjusted, Zach. And there are a lot of nuances and complexities to this map. And I personally have struggled a lot with this map, trying to figure it out, especially with Guard. And one thing that Manny did, which um, surprised me, was he put his attack bikes in reserve, and that really fundamentally shifted how the game operated. Because I got first, I was able to deploy everything and tuck everything into the side ruins that are on the objectives. And Manny was in a little bit of a tough situation to dig me out of those ruins without losing uh, units, whilst also scoring oath of moments and behind enemy lines. So he had to bleed a little bit of units. Um, 
every turn whilst I wasn't under a lot of pressure and I could basically predict where his bikes had to come in. So that was uh, that was obviously a good position to be in. But, you know, I did get a little bit lucky on some of the rolls, of course, which is uh, nice to see after <laughs> I've been historically quite unlucky against Manny. Um, you know, kill his talent master with indirect fire and whatnot like that, uh, which made the game a lot easier than otherwise it would have had to have been. But um, yeah, I think in that matchup, it's it really depends on the guard player playing extremely solid, not leaving any openings whatsoever. Uh, and obviously, you have to defend against Cassock and Bomb as well. But if you do that and you play tightly, you know, corners mission, there are not a lot of angles to Cassock and Bomb someone in their deployment zone. Uh, there are actually none. Uh, so you have to really use it as a um, reactive tool. And yeah, as long as you don't make any massive mistakes, like game-changing mistakes, you can sort of lock the Dark Angels player out of a win on that board in that situation. But um, yeah, look, it was, a, it was a great game. It was, um, I was, you know, winning the tournament was one thing, but me personally as, a, as an accomplishment, beating Manny Chima finally was a, a huge win for me. Whether it happened round three or four or five, um, it was it was much more important to me to than actually winning the tournament, which may sound may sound crazy, but um, yeah, I was uh, <laughs> I was over the moon and ecstatic, and um, it was a really close game. And you know, Manny's such a good play; he thinks about the points in, in ways which I didn't really realize and, and appreciate. And he does that so much better than I. And and I even in turn four and five, I thought, okay, the game's in the bag. And then I just there's something in the back of my head just said, actually, okay, keep playing tight. You know, don't let him get back in the game. And he, he, he really could have, like there could have been some magic happening in the end there because he was focusing on the points like razor sharp every single time. So a lot of lessons learned for myself. And, I, you know, if Manny could play it again, I know he would play it differently. And that's what worries me because <laughs> quite frankly, I don't know who's going to be, uh, who's going to be beating him on an army that powerful on a player that skillful. So uh, guys, I don't, it might be, might be very difficult to win any tournaments <laughs> Manny's attending in the future. <laughs> Yeah, well, congratulations on beating him. Um, he was the first qualifier for the Warhammer World Championships. You are the second from the UK. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your aspirations for this season in terms of UKTC rankings, any major events you want to win, whether that's the LGT, LVO, Warhammer World Championships, any of that stuff. Where do you want to be in sort of nine to 12 months' time in terms of a competitive 40K player? Yeah, in terms of a player, I think we've got, you know, I'll just relate this back to the team at Team Ignite. We... You know, for me, you know, my perspective has changed a lot in the last 12 months. I've, you know, I've really adopted a philosophy of not being defined by my tournament results in terms of my relationship to the game. And I've just focused, you know, on this tournament in particular, I said this to my teammates beforehand, you know, win or lose, I just want to be playing well. And I'm going to be unhappy if I play, if I'm really playing poorly, but um, I'm just going to try and all I can do is control what's happening in the game. I'm just going to try and play my best. Never take a win as a given, as I've kind of been overconfident in the past for sure. So trying to just, nothing is, victory is earned. And I've got these little objective mats where I've got stuff like that and signatures of people that have beaten me in the past as reminders. Uh, so that's what I'm focusing on is just playing well. I don't, I don't really care about winning big tournaments as much as it is nice, of course, but as long as I'm playing well. And then, you know, honestly, I want to see some of my teammates succeed. I think I know we've got a lot, and even in the team of three of us, we've got uh, Yoko, who um, hasn't perhaps you know had a big accolade yet, but he's got all the talent there to do so. So, seeing my team grow and succeed—well, not my team, but our team grow and succeed—and um, seeing those guys really, really come up and um, and win will be will be a huge uh, you know it'll bring me more joy. Just like you know Vic winning the ITC, hopefully 
like in the previous year would have just been uh, so so uh, so great for me as well. So it's not so much about what I want to personally achieve, but seeing other people around me succeed is uh, really important to me as well. Well, that's awesome to hear. And, you know, we wish not only yourself, but the rest of the team the best of luck. Hopefully, you know, Brian stormed onto the scene. We've had him on the podcast before as well. And uh, hopefully we'll see Jokel with some accolades later on. Uh, David, if people want to find out more about what you're doing in 40K, aside from following your results, uh, you also have a podcast. Why don't you tell us a little bit about 40K Fireside before we let you go? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Yeah, 40K Fireside podcast is where myself and Vic BJ, uh, we're basically best mates. <laughs> uh, we host a, a podcast where we just chat about, well, specifically competitive UKTC. Uh, and then we chat about USA uh, terrain formats and, and competitive tournaments formats. But if that's uh, if you like the deep end of conversations uh, around super high-end competitive content and the meta, then that's where to find us. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a very, very good podcast. It's one of the very few that I listen to, and I can't recommend it highly enough. So, Dave, uh, we have a number of events coming up. We've obviously got the Birmingham Team Tournament soon, which hopefully should hit six, uh, five, 600 players, uh, the LGT, and uh, a bunch of other ones. So all those tickets are available on warhammertournaments.com. Are we going to see you at all of those, or are there some you're going to have to miss? So how regular are we going to see you on the UKTC scene this year? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to try and uh, play as much as I can. But at the same time, like, uh, you know, I've, I have I really pushed last year. So, uh, you know, Manchester, I'm not going to be at because I'm going to take the time out to spend with family and what like that, getting married later in the year. So, I mean, I'm going to try and prioritize life a bit this year. <laughs> and I'd recommend anyone listening to the podcast to do the same. <laughs> Yes, yes. So speaking of somebody who is doing a daily podcast as well as running a super major once or twice a month, I can wholly agree that sometimes it's better to focus on life. But 40K is still fun, and we thank everyone for listening, and we thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to What's Happening in 40K. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We'd also really appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and recommending us to all your gaming buddies. And, of course, don't forget to subscribe for more great content from What's Happening in 40K. We'll be back next time with even more news, updates, and opinions from the world of Warhammer 40,000. Until next time, thanks for listening.